Decades ago, Dale Carnegie set the business world ablaze with his best-selling book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Carnegie had been teaching business education courses in New York City. His courses were made up of 14-week sessions focusing on human relationships and public speaking as a means to achieving success in business. In 1934, Leon Shimkin took one of Carnegie's courses. He was so impressed by the content of material, he convinced Carnegie to have a stenographer take meticulous notes during each of the courses. The transcription of those notes led to the publishing of How to Win Friends and Influence People in 1936. Some 85 years later, that book is still listed in the top 20 of Time Magazine's most influential books of all time. The Apostle Peter had absolutely no intention of pinning a scroll on how to win friends and influence people. But in the second chapter of 1 Peter, he provided each of us with a template for winning friends and influencing people for the kingdom of God. I invite you to join me in 1 Peter chapter 2 as we continue our study tracing the rainbow through the rain. 1 Peter chapter 2. And in our last session, I told you verses 11 and 12 provide an introduction to Peter's coming discussion on the practicality of our theology as we live out our faith in the arena of everyday life. We pick up that discussion in verse 15. And in verse, I mean, verse 13. And in verse 13, Peter begins this discussion of living out our faith in regard to human relationships and human institutions. Let's look at verses 13, 14, and 15 together. The Apostle Peter writes, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Submit, Peter says, to every human institution. The word submit it is the Greek word upotasso, and it literally means to come under the authority of. It actually comes from the military arena, and in the military arena, it is an expression that says to arrange information under the commander. Quite frequently, when you and I see passages of scripture like this, telling us that we are to submit to government or to human institutions, we immediately run to the counter-argument, but what if that government is evil? And I promise you we are going to address that issue in this session. But 
I want us to remember no human government began with God. They're allowed by God. They fall under the scope of His permissive will, but they did not begin with God. And I want to show you exactly what I mean. If we go back to the Old Testament, God had called the Hebrews out of Egypt into a land of promise. He told Israel, you are to be my prized possession, my movable possession. And God had called the Hebrews to himself, not just out of Egypt, but to himself. And he had tasked them with the commission of making his name great among the nations. He was to be their king. He was to be their ruler. Israel was God's people. He was to be the one who ruled over them. But in 1 Samuel chapter 8, 1 Samuel chapter 8, we find these words. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. Samuel is old. They're looking for a change in leadership. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Here is the tragic request. Now appoint a king for us to judge us. And here's the tragedy. Like all the nations. Israel was to be holy. They were God's prized possession. They were called to be distinct, sacred, sanctified, and set apart for God's purposes. The nation of Israel was not to be like any other nation. They were to be unique, separate, distinct, set apart. There was to be something different about them than all of the other nations on the face of the earth. And that difference was to be the fact that God was their king. And they answered to him and him alone. Mistake number one, establish a king for us to judge over us so that we might be like all the other nations. They were supposed to be unique. Instead, they wanted to be just like everyone else. How tragic. Mistake number one. Mistake number two. Samuel chapter nine. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. All leadership in the Old Testament was to come from the tribe of Levi. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechoroth, the son of Aphiah, the son of a Benjamite, a mighty man of valor. Verse 2, he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice and handsome man, and there was not a more handsome person than he 
among the sons of Israel. From his shoulders and up, he was taller than any of the people. Mistake number two. They wanted to choose their leader based on physical appearance, not spiritual state of being. Did you see the attributes? He was the most handsome person in all of Israel. He was the tallest person in all of Israel. Now, understand who Saul was and what he did. We think about him as the king, and he ultimately became king, and all of the things that we find in Samuel about Saul. But if you were to look at verse 3, Samuel's role in the family dynamic was to go out and find livestock that had gone astray. That was his task for the household. Whenever an animal would get lost, whether it was a donkey or a sheep or a calf, it was Saul's responsibility to go out and find that lost animal. In fact, just so you know that I am not making any of this up in verse 3. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to his son Saul, take now with you one of the servants and arise and go search for the donkeys. The son of Kish, mighty Saul, go look for the lost donkeys. And Saul was terrible at his job because he went out to look for the donkeys and he could not find them. And by the time Saul returned home, the donkeys had made it back home on their own accord. So he was a failure in his family responsibilities. But he was tall and he was good looking. Mistake number two. When they went to anoint Saul king, where did they find him? 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 20. Thus Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its families, and the Matrite family was taken. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. But when they looked for him, he could not be found. Verse 22, Therefore they inquired further of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? So the Lord said, Behold, he is hiding himself by the baggage. <laughs> he was a failure at his, possession, at his profession, his family responsibility. He was a coward. He was hiding in the baggage. And clearly, he was not very bright. He was the tallest man in all of Israel. He was the handsomest man in all of Israel. And he really thought that he could hide from everyone in the kingdom in the baggage. That is the king that began to lead the nation of Israel. A failure at, a job, at his job. A coward at heart. But he was tall. And he was good looking. The old adage is trite but true. Be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. 
we move forward in Samuel, and we won't look at the passage, but many of you re will recall the story of David and Goliath. Here's what I want you to remember in that particular biblical narrative. When David went to take that food to his brothers who were on the front, where did they find Saul? In his tent. Day after day, Goliath had stood up and said, give me a man that we would fight, and the tallest, most handsome man in all of Israel, the man who was supposed to lead the people of God, would stay in his tent. Hmm. Be careful what you ask for, because you just might get it. So, the people of God asked for a king. Government. And God gave them government in the form of a king. But not only did God acquiesce to their, issue, to their wishes, which broke the father's heart, but he also established some principles by which people would respond to this particular government they asked for. God's word tells us that we are to submit to the government we ask for. In Proverbs 24, verses 21 and 22, the word of God says, my son, fear the Lord and, you hear it? Fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those who are given to change for their calamity will rise suddenly and who knows the ruin that comes from both of them. Fear God and the king, human institution of government. The Lord Jesus himself told us, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and unto God that which is God's. The apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 13, the Magna Carta of the Christian faith, in regard to human government or human institutions, Paul wrote to the Romans, every person is to be in subjection, that's submission, the same word that Peter uses, to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. And let me uh, speak in clarification here. You just told us, Wayne, that no human entity began with God. It doesn't. But remember, every human institution or government serves under the permissive will of God. There wouldn't be absolutely no government we have today on the face of the earth if it did not come under God's sovereign rule and authority. So any government, good or bad, that exists on the face of the earth is it exists because it has come under the permissive will of Almighty God. Paul continues, Therefore, Whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. What ordinance? Fear God and the king. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Verse 3. For rulers are not a cause of fear. This is important. For good behavior but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, 
and you will have praise from the same. Now, Paul is establishing the purpose of government and the reason we are to submit to governmental authority. Because the purpose of government is to punish evil and reward good. Let me read verse 3 again. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. If you're doing the right thing, if you are doing good, you don't have anything to worry about. Or at least you should not have anything to worry about. But for evil. If you are committing acts of evil or lawlessness, you should be very afraid of federal government. Do what is good, he says, and you will have or should have praise from the same. When you do what is right, when you do what is lawful, when you do what is good, the government should be applauding your efforts. They should be honoring your respect for their authority, not punishing it. So we are to do what we do out of a genuine desire to please God. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 2 in our discussion. Submit yourselves, verse 13, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Why should we submit to every human institution? Peter says, for the Lord's sake. Out of our desire to honor and obey what God has said to us, for the Lord's sake. We are to do what we do out of a genuine desire to please God. Now, what is the purpose of government? We looked at what Paul had to say about the purpose of government in Romans 13, but Peter addresses that issue right here in the passage before us. 1 Peter chapter 2, what is the purpose of government? Look at what Peter says in verse 14. Or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. In different words, but Peter shares the same principle introduced to us by Paul in Romans, that the purpose of government is for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Now, let me pause here and chase a rabbit. We're going to do a little rabbit hunting in this session, but I believe it is extremely important for us as we try to understand and come to grips with this issue of submitting to every human institution. If the purpose of government is for the punishment of evildoers and the praise uh, for those and praise for those who do right, how has our government gotten so far off the rails? I do not know about you, but I think that's a question worth considering. If the purpose of government is to punish evil and praise good, how has our government gotten so far off the rails? Now remember, in our country, our officials 
are elected. Now, we can debate packed ballot boxes, corrupt mail-in ballots, hanging chads, and threats at polling stations. But our officials are elected by society. So the government we have is the government we ourselves elected. Now stay with me. I am convinced we need to trace this path of perversity if we're going to understand where we have gotten to as a nation. If you are following along in God's word, and I hope you are, because what I say means absolutely nothing, but what God says in his word means absolutely everything. Join me in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. It is an incredibly lengthy passage, but it is a passage we must seriously consider as we ask ourselves the question, how have we as a nation gotten so far off track? In Romans chapter 1, and I pick it up in verse 21. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. If you're following along, I'm reading out of the New American Standard. Just walk through the passage with me. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Old Testament tells us a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That is not saying we're atheists, God does not exist. But if you look at that passage very clearly, it says that what the individual is saying, the fool has said in his heart, no God for me. I don't need him. I don't want him. I don't care about him. And that is what Paul is talking about here in Romans for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their own speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened, was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Sound like anyone in the government you know? And exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds and forfeited animals and crawling creatures. That really gets scary. Verse 24. Therefore, on the basis of this, remember whenever we see the word therefore, we should ask ourselves what is therefore and therefore. On the basis of this reality, that they did not honor God, they did not acknowledge God, they would not submit to God, and they gave themselves over to speculations, their minds and their hearts became darkened. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would become dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They did not want truth. Instead, they replaced truth with lies. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie 
and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, when they rejected truth and they embraced lies, what was the result? We continue in verse 26. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural affection or natural function for that which is unnatural. It's lesbianism. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. That's homosexuality. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. You hear it? A depraved mind. What does that mean? Well, we'll pick up right there in our next session. Once again, let me thank you for joining us on this journey through God's Word. We know your time is precious, and so we consider it an incredible privilege that you've chosen to spend it with us. As I have shared before, we'd love to hear from you. Knowing how we have encouraged you encourages us. Recently, I had an individual say, I sit in front of my computer with my Bible, with my notebook, with my pen, ready to learn from God's Word. If you're watching uh, on YouTube, you can leave a comments note at the bottom. We'd love to see those. Or you can reach us. Our email address is wordpowermm at gmx.com. Wordpowermm at gmx.com. If watching this ministry and learning from God's Word has encouraged you, please tell others about us, whether they watch us on YouTube, find us on Instagram, or on podcast. We'd love to know that we are being used by God to help people go deeper in their faith. God bless you, and again, thank you.